0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. Y'all, I record so many of these, I almost lost track of which one I was on. This week on our panel, we have Subrat Mishra. Hello, hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And this week, we're talking to Maria Corniva. Is that how you say that? Yeah. All right, Maria, do you want to tell us who you are and why you're awesome and all that stuff? (laughs)
1: Why not yes i am a front-end technology lead at a small german company i'm developing some web applications by day and i'm writing some blogs by night here and now i also have some talks at meetups and conferences yes and i also like drawing so i try to illustrate my blogs with some drawings that's it i guess
0: cool hey folks this is charles maxwood from top end devs So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So looking at this blog post that we found on Medium, did you draw that? Yes. That illustration? That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, mine would be like a little stick figure. It'd be like, is that that a human stick figure? So I'm (laughs) impressed. Thank you. Very cool. Well, we got you on to talk about it. It says, how to proxy HTTP requests in Angular. And it was interesting because, I mean, I remember using proxy servers when I was in college and stuff to get around the the filtering that the university did. Don't don't tell anybody. I guess it's been 20 years, (laughs) so it doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, just stuff like that. You know, we all kind of think about different proxies and maybe have used something like Charles Proxy or something like that. But it looks like you're not really doing that so much as actually building in kind of a, a proxy on your own end where you have like a fake back end and stuff. So do you, do you want to kind of give us a 10,000 foot view on what you're talking about when you're talking about proxying the requests? And then we can dive into why, and then we can dive into how.
1: Sure. Actually, I was really surprised that you uh, addressed this topic because... Uh, And I was really surprised by myself when I discovered this topic for myself, when I started to write this blog, because I joined a project and everything was working fine. And then I started to dig deeper and deeper. And then I discovered that they're using those proxies as a proxy configurations. And then I started to explore this topic and uh, trying to understand why do we need those proxies at all? Because actually Mm -hmm. uh, in the basic tutorial um, in Angular, you, you won't hear about it but this is so element so basic and so well really useful that I think everyone should know how to proxy those requests to work with back- backend to work with local host backend to work with different environments to work with fake backend etc. So there's so many use cases and the functionality is really elementary. So that was my motivation why i wrote this and then i was really surprised that you discovered it and they wanted to talk about it that's for the teasing for, for as a teaser is the motivation for for the talk
0: yeah well it makes sense and if you kind of read through it you'll you'll get an idea oh this is pretty useful but but why don't you tell us you know what what do you use this for you like what where does this approach come in for you
1: Actually, uh, in the current project, we're mostly using this with a fake backend. We're using a library called JSON uh, Server. This is pretty uh, pretty uh, well known uh-huh. one, and this is actually a very useful one. I recommend it uh, every for to everyone. But this is not like a commercial or something. I mean, it's really just my favorite library on this in the sense. And once you fake backend, you also want to have a switch because you don't wanna occasionally deliver this to production with some back, uh, fake backend <laughs> connections <laughs> i guess you you won't and that's why you need something which which is pretty easy to switch to to use so that you say okay once i start my application with the, some particular flag i'm using the fa- uh, fake backend and once i just i start the application normally with without any flags then i just go to the normal server and this mm-hmm. is how the proxy works in, in this use case. We set an environment variable to true, which like fake backend variable. And in my proxy, um, if, if we would get, we read this uh, variable and if it's set to true, then the proxy gets activated and then all my requests go to the fake backend. And if the right. variable is set to false, then it's not proxied to some fake backend, it goes to the server. The advantage of this approach is that I don't have to care about, like I don't have to worry about those switches in production because they're just not there. And I don't have to change anything in my code, like in the code that I write for the application. It's just the configuration of the proxy, which comes additionally to the application.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You you run it in production without any flags. And so it just exactly. connects to the regular backend. But yeah, on your machine, you can stand up the fake backend and then you just tell it, hey, use this config. Yes. And yeah, you know, this is something that I think we all run into at one point or another in our career right where it's hey look you know i need to be able to control what i'm getting you know out of a database or from a back end or from some service or some api or you know whatever whatever you want it to be right i need to know how this behaves under this circumstance the other circumstance the other circumstance and so if you can stand up a fake back end that has all of your different use cases in it then yeah you can just move move around your app and make it behave in the way that you want and make sure that you're, what you're seeing is what you're expecting.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I've considered several approaches. Of course, you can just mock your data in your component or in your server, uh, service, excuse mm-hmm. me, but then you change your code. You can also have right. some, some switches in your code checking for the environment. But again, those are this is the functionality which does not contribute to the app functionality. Mm-hmm. This is not a business business logic that you're writing. And any switch, any additional check for some development environments introduces a security threat. So I prefer not to have any switches in my code, I, directly in my code, but rather uh, solve it via some configurations.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I could also see this as a convenient way to, for example, if I'm running into a bug in production, right? I can effectively copy the payload into this fake backend and then say, do your thing, right? And just see what happens.
1: Yes. There are a couple of more use cases for fake backend too. In my current project, we have some really rare test user combinations. And to get there, we need to wait for the real test users for weeks, which well slows down the development tremendously. That's why we just can configure those test users in our fake backend and get them immediately mm-hmm. The same is valid for some days that we want to te- test so that we just get um, some really rare combinations, the 29th of February, February in
2: September.
0: Right. Yeah. The other what one I, I can see is- that you could play with is time zones. Yeah. Go ahead, Subra. Mm-hmm.
2: No, what I was saying is uh, uh, I got to work with, I think, a fake backend or a mocking HTTP server. As you start uh, the, both the frontend and the backend at the same time, So there is no... Request present for the, for the backend to, to serve. Then we you know that, uh, this is the response which, which will get going to get. And that's how we started, uh, started using that. But in later, it uh, gives us a lot of flexibility. Like, uh, if we need some extra functionality, which, which we need to test in the front end, if it is fine, then it will be implemented in the backend. So this is the, the like you told, it's a, just a flag thing and, and that will going to work. That's a pretty, pretty handy, handy scenario. Like if the, both the front end and back end, we are starting together, then it's a pretty good use case to go for. I think there are a lot of framework. What I have used is not at all depend on any call. It's all, all stayed in, stays in Angular. You just need to switch the use class uh, to to a different service and that, that will work uh, as it is, as an interceptor or or something. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I tested interceptors to, However, I know myself. I always forget to comment it out and to change yeah, the yeah. change this to switch to the real interceptor, and then mm-hmm. I'm always afraid to deliver something to production which uh, just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, you're right that uh, using the fake backend is a way to decouple uh, those two, and I don't have to wait for the real implementation. of mm-hmm. I don't have to wait for my colleagues to to ship. The backend I can work mm-hmm. with it if I have this regular definition that's enough for me and then I can spin on of a fake backend and then just uh, work with this till it's ready.
2: Yeah, but one thing I <laughs> it's not a negative though. Uh, but I think if we are using fake, fake backend or any flag, we should have it documented and it properly. I mean, document it properly because one one use like scenario happened in my team was in in my. Uh, past experience that new, a new guy came, we forgot uh, him to inform that we, we are using this and he started using, uh, API call and see why it's not, <laughs> why it's not working because he haven't gone in. Then we came to like, okay, if we are using this is not hitting the server. Then, so I think if we are using this, then it should be in the initial of the documentation that there is a flag, uh, which will use, uh, big backend to the real backend then it will not be create a chaos for a newcomer
1: yeah that's true and the threat is also it's also a certain risk um to derive too far away from the real data once you stay Mm. with some desired values you develop differently you don't check for nulls you don't check for undefined because in your data you always get something and then and yeah. yeah, there is a big surprise when you switch to the real real server service and then you get some other data which you haven't predicted but yeah mm-hmm. those are the downsides of uh, fake backend
2: yeah yep. i think nowadays it if you are using monorepo and nx uh, then that is solved if both the frontend and backend will use the uh, same interface or same class as a model but yeah but mm-hmm. uh, currently it is like a lot of projects are uh, different yeah, as an in independent project. But I think two podcast back, I think we have uh, someone from NX, so that we discussed like, how it is useful to mm-hmm. have a single interface and use it in both. So that, that's a pretty lifesaver for front-end, back-end integration. Yeah, yeah. obviously that will also help uh, in this scenario. Though.
1: Yeah, that's true, especially if you use nodes and JS and back-end, then it's easy, yeah. really yeah. easy to use the same um, type definitions for both front-end and back-end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But proxying, like we were talking about proxying uh, in the beginning, actually uh, working with a fake backend is just one of those use cases. This is the one that, yeah. um, uh, Charles, you you asked me what I'm using now. So this was the major use case in my project. So working with the oh, yeah. fake backend. However, that's also useful for effortless switching between the environments because normally you wouldn't introduce the whole URL in your HTTP request. It would work rather uh, with the relative paths so that you have your test environment, staging environment, and production environment slash API slash users, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, proxying to the particular environment allows you to get your data when working on localhost. This is also what we use in our current project setup so that when we work on localhost, when I'm I'm developing some features, I proxy my requests to the test environment and I get the real data from our service, which is uh, deployed there. And then once I'm ready, I I deploy my application in the test environment. And since I'm using the relative pass, that's still working and once the tests are through and once i deliver it to the staging environment i don't have to change the code of the application itself because i still like the code still has those relative urls so then it again there's no changes needed and the only thing that i have to set up is the angular json file where i say that for the development mode you use another proxy configuration and for the staging another one on for production one more yep. so yeah
0: nice hey folks i'm here with jd from raygun you know jd we were talking just a second ago about empathy and it seems like a common concept within the programming community and yet when we're building features for customers a lot of times we call it done when it passes ci deploys and doesn't give us errors and that really doesn't seem very empathetic when it comes to our customers because we're not looking at what they're doing. Do you have thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at the end of the day, until until your code actually hits the customer, um, you mm-hmm. don't really know if it's any good. Uh, you know, everybody uses things in so many different weird and wonderful ways. You can only really mm-hmm. debug in production. Um, yeah, I've been there. It's old, done.
0: Here. It's not done. Oh, crap. It's not done. <laughs> I got to go <laughs> fix it. Now
3: it's done. Yeah, absolutely. And when we see things like error reports flowing into Raygun, a lot of the time it's things where you just kind of go, oh, that was a configuration that as a developer Mm -hmm. I I didn't think could exist, but actually here's an example. And so it's connecting that code to customer and your development team through to real users and their experiences, which to your point, builds real empathy. And the best software teams care a lot about how their customers are experiencing their software.
0: Right. It's kind of the feedback from the app, but it's also kind of this meta feedback is we do better, we tend to get less of this negative input back from our customer, which really does reflect empathy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I also think to your point earlier about CI/CD pipelines, like we've done an amazing amount of work as an industry to automate getting to prod really fast. But if you really want to go super fast, you need to close that loop with real-time feedback from prod back to the dev team, and that allows them to do things like fail forward and just do, you know really leverage that investment in CI/CD, and and it can turn into a real superpower.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to encourage you folks. Yeah, set up your CI/CD, but then go sign up for Raygun. They'll actually give you a free trial, and you can get it at raygun.com. Now you mentioned something about Swagger, so we're using OpenAPI slash Swagger setup for this and does this work for other types of things like GraphQL or some other crazy setup where I'm just making up my own endpoints .json at the end?
2: Yes, you
1: have the possibility to define some endpoints using wildcards so that you say all the requests that have API in the path or all the requests that have some particular values there will be proxied somewhere else. So you have the opportunity to filter. You can use just a list of them. You can also have some, as I said, some regex expressions. You have even the opportunity to rewrite the path. So let's say you can work locally with something like slash API slash foo slash bar. And then you have the option to rewrite foo slash bar and remove it from the path to proxy Mm. to some server. So you also have more options what to do with with, uh, your requests.
0: That makes sense. So effectively then I can say, yeah, proxy to my crazy setup where I just made up the path names. Yes. It'll map it however I tell it to.
1: Yes, and if you are even more crazy, you can set secure to false, and then you can even switch off HTTPS off, which is particular relevant if you are working on localhost and plan mm-hmm. to send your requests to the server with, to the service which is deployed in the test environment, because usually they won't right. like it if they get some cross-origin requests from localhost. But if you proxy it with the configuration of H, of secure set to false, then uh, you can effectively <laughs> switch it off.
0: Makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, that's another use case. As I said, like uh, when developing on localhost, I usually have the following conf- uh, the the cons- configuration of uh, setting it to secure to false, and then setting the context like um, putting all the APIs, all the URLs that I need for my requests in the context, and then specifying the target, which is the environment where I want to proxy my request to.
0: And when you're running your test, do you stand up a fake backend for that too then? Or do you? Mm. is that only oh. on the end-to-end tests? Or yeah, how, how, do you use this in testing at all?
1: Mm. For the unit tests, we have the HTTP uh, testing module, which Angular provides. Mm-hmm. So I usually uh, take this one. Right. And for end-to-end tests, the application is already pl- deployed in the development or staging environment. And there, there's usually proxy to the same okay. origin. So I don't have to proxy there. Basically, it's you, you need a proxy uh, always when you are not in the same environment where your service is.
2: Okay. Like mostly in local. local no. most.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered the local development and and proxying this to some deployed service. But sometimes you also have your backends with you. So in the same, in the same monorepo, and then you have your uh, backend running on localhost 3000 and your Angular app uh, running on localhost 4200. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can also proxy your requests to the backend URL because you need to change the port, otherwise it wouldn't work. So this one is another use case where you can use proxy. Mm-hmm.
2: So what what do you mean is your backend port can be dynamic and that can also be handled through the proxy, if, yes. if that is the scenario? Like maybe if, if the backend is running in a Docker and it's uh, running dynamic proxy and that you can grab that proxy, maybe in a container or something and that you can uh, club, club together. I think uh, this use case will be helpful in test containers as well. Like we have used test containers sometime because that mm-hmm. will, that's how help us to create, to uh, r- run the test by creating different uh, Docker images and it, it create possible in the r- runtime. We can set the proxy uh, set the port. Mm-hmm.
0: So one thing that I was going to ask is what what are the other approaches to solve this problem, and why did you pick this one over the other ones?
1: Well, the straightforward approach uh, for for the for proxying the requests to to the local host backend, or in general, mm-hmm. what are the just are in there? general, in general, just, you, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, to kind of get some uh, sanity and control on your backend.
1: What you can also do, you can work with the environment files in Angular because these are, these are also configurations that you can, mm-hmm. and they are meant to store your environment configurations so that you can place your URL, like environment-specific URL in there and uh, reference it in your HTTP request so that you will just import, you know, a production URL, base URL, and then slash API slash users. That would be right. another option how to do this. And this is also what Angular offers This will solve the problem with deploying the same code in different environments. However, it won't help with fake backend and it won't help. No, it will help with start with working with backend on localhost. That's not a problem. But as I said, it's then, well, for the fake backend, you will still need need to proxy it somewhere. Right. So it will solve some problems. Right. In the last use case, and this is really rare, But we are also facing those problems or this is our use case in the current project too. Uh, We have a huge monorepo and we have different styling of our applications. We have several brands which belong to the same company and we have to style them according to the corporate identity of this brand. And Mm -hmm. that's why our uh, styling comes from different endpoints. And that's, again, the option for us to configure the proxy. For, this, for each particular app to go to the relevant, to, the, to go to the respective style source and get the respective styling. That's another op- option how we can have the same code and then style it in a different way depending on the proxy configuration. Gotcha. That's why as I said, it was so I was surprised by myself when I discovered that we are doing this but like we're implementing those proxies and using this configuration which is so basic and it took me so long to, to discover this concept and that this concept it comes not it does not come in the very beginning of the angular setup. It is mentioned in the documentation it is part of building and serving angular apps under angular tools. But it took me a while to discover this section in the documentation.
0: Yeah. So I mean, are there other tricks to this or is it just as straightforward as it looks? You know, you set up your JSON server, you you set up your config to point stuff to it and then you know, make sure your back ends are giving you what you need. I mean, is is, is it really that simple or are it there is, other tricks is, that make it, is. it are there other tricks that make it, I guess, more robust or give it more umph? I don't know.
1: Actually it's it is that simple. It is um, some native capability of Angular, so we are not talking about some workaround. This is the Mm -hmm. solution that the Angular team offers. Angular uh, uses Webpack, and Webpack relies on the HTTP middleware package under the hood, which means this is also something which works out of the box. We just need to configure it properly to set up the file, to reference it in the Angular JSON, and then we're good to go.
0: Cool. So Subrat was trying to ask a question when he dropped off. Subrat, what was your question?
2: Yeah, what I was uh, asking is, is uh, if I have to uh, maybe integration test, uh, which will run our Docker on the on the go while while running our test. So my question is, is it possible to set the port, at the runtime in the proxy to which port it will going to? hit uh, while, while you are running the test?
1: I, I'm i just checking the documentation, because in all the examples I said that the target, and we're talking about the tar- target of our proxy, that was the string that they used. So they just provided this statically. I need to double-check if it's possible to provide a function instead of target. And if it mm-hmm. is possible, uh, if, if if it works, then, uh, of, then that should work with different ports too. As of now, I don't cool. see any example of the function uh, being called on there, but since this is a normal package uh, which is which provides a lot of options, I'm actually quite positive that you should be able to configure it like this. So you just need a function uh, which will get the port and then will return the whole target URL which you provide in the configuration.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, usually I'm using Docker Compose, so I would imagine that you could also put it into an environment variable and then just...
1: Yeah, that would work too. That's actually a very good point because in your proxy configuration, you can read the environment variables
0: Yeah.
1: and then you can just use this part of the target. Problem solved. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so then
0: you just say, hey, use this other container on this port in the Mm -hmm. environment variable. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you could yeah, make it dynamic. So, very cool. So, anything else that you're working on that you want to tell us about before we uh move on to the next segment of the show?
1: Maybe just to mention, we were talking about all this fake backend st- stuff, which is relevant for our for the developers, but I noticed that we have this privileged position of faking our da- data as we want being front-end developer, mm-hmm. but our testers don't, and that's usually like it's just it's it's a pity. Like you, you know, I've I, I was able to test it, but for you, you have to wait for your test users, and you have to wait till you <laughs> right. can you can test my application. That's why I really like the solution my colleagues came up with, uh, where they wrote a script which runs on some um, middle uh, middleware layer. Let's say Epic mm-hmm. or anything that you have between your servers and outer world, and there's script runs there and checks for the headers or for the cookies you you, it's up to you what what to check and then you can set those headers or or cookies in your browser like the tester can do this and configure the desired outcome or the desired response of the server being uh, it's uh, 404 or some mock data which is required for this test use case uh And the script does the following. It looks at the cookies or the header. And if it sees some particular value in there, it the script knows that this scratch should not be proxied uh, to the server, to the actual server. It will directly respond with the values that are provided in this cookie so that it looks... For well, the application it looks as if the server requests a uh, responds with the with the error response or with some desired data. And I think this is also really important because we're um it's being able to develop fast to mock data as a developer is just one half of the whole process. And mm-hmm. that's what I really like about this proce- this script and or this idea. That you can also give your testers some more options, and the same is valid for some proxy. Another colleague of me of mine wrote a proxy in a different context. We're out of the Angular application there, but it doesn't matter. And there was a proxy who would check, uh, which would check the headers and do the same. So it wouldn't even reach any middle uh, middleware layers out there. It would just stop at the application layer uh, in the browser. And get, go back with some desired response. Yes. So this is another aspect of the whole mocking data story.
0: Yeah, Yeah. There I, I've seen a couple of approaches to this. I mean, one is, you know, kind of what you're talking about where you you either intercept the the signal coming in and, you know, just give the response that you want. I've also seen systems I, I mostly do backend development actually mm-hmm. in Ruby on Rails. And so we have a seeds file that mm-hmm. will seed data into your database and so you could set up a basically a testing seed and then you know based on your environment you just run the seed and it just populates the data you want you have to maintain that but you have to maintain any other automation or script that you run anyway but yeah i mean however that works there are a lot of ways to do it it's it's interesting though just kind of think about yeah you know you could slide something in that middleware and 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 manage what you need yep. i've also seen people do it with like a an actual proxy system like Uh, Charles proxy or something. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Because then again, they can put the response that they expect to send back. That doesn't quite get you end to end because your back end may have a bug, Mm -hmm. you know, may do something you don't expect. But if you're just making sure that the front end reacts properly, yeah, there are a lot of ways to do it. But it sounds like you've got an elegant solution there.
2: Yeah,
1: I really like it because our testers are happy and the more the testers can test during the test phase, the less bugs in production we have, the Mm -hmm. better I can sleep on Friday night.
0: Makes sense, yeah. I, I write bugs all the time. Subrat never does, but you know, <laughs> it's it's a constant battle for me.
2: No, no, my bugs always comes uh, on oh, the Friday night. So it'll, it'll always like well, once I, you, you thought that this weekend will be good and someone will call like you know, yeah and, uh,
0: yeah we ordered your favorite pizza. Get into the office.
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wind down. I'm really curious, uh, before we do that, if people want to follow anything else that you're writing or ask you questions about this, how do they connect with you online?
1: They can ping me on Twitter. I'm at BrowserPerson on Twitter. Uh So drop me a line. Um, If it's more professional, you can connect via LinkedIn. It's uh, Maria minus Corneva. So
0: I'd be happy to connect. Very cool. All right. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one-hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go, and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks then. Now, picks are just things that we're shouting out about. And so I'll have Subrat go first. Subrat, do you have some picks?
2: Yep, I think this big pick also a book I have started reading. It's a famous book, uh, like *Sapiens: A uh, Brief History of Humankind*. It's a pretty thick book. Uh, I have started reading uh, of how how humankinds are evolved and those things. So I think that should be someone. If if you're getting time mm-hmm. apart from coding, uh, then you'll we'll go and read this. It I say it's a good book. Apart from that, I I will try to pick another book which I already picked maybe twice. It's a *Psychology of mm-hmm. Money*. It's a pretty pretty good book. I keep coming back to the book just to thought about like how you should think about money. It's not not everything. Times matter, money matters. Like everything matters in life. So that's how the perspective towards money will change. That's a two pick uh, for this week. Awesome. I'm gonna
0: jump out there with a couple of picks. Um I usually do a board game pick, but I haven't really been playing board games much lately. I'm trying to get my group of guys that I play with back together to play. And so I don't know that I have a, a new game to throw out that uh, I haven't already picked. So I'm just going to forego that for a minute. I'm going to put up a couple of other picks that I have. First of all, I've been talking to a friend of mine and he's been helping me kind of get some uh, branding stuff together, which has been awesome. And so I've kind of uh, gotten back on the... The email bandwagon and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to throw out some of the things that I'm using to connect with people, and I'm going to be integrating all this into top end devs. So if you want to get some of the stuff that I'm talking about, that we'll have it there. One of them is ActiveCampaign, which is an email system, so that I can send emails out. I'm planning on you know just putting out content and and, and putting that stuff together. I've also basically gotten things together for top-end devs so that I can start doing video series and courses. And so I'm going to be putting out a course on how to uh, stay current. because I get asked that all the time. How do I stay current on stuff? The other thing that I'm also going to be putting out is a course on, or a series rather. So one of the things that really helped me when I was coming up as a developer was there was a series called Rails Casts And what it was was, what's his name? It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, uh, the guy that was putting it together, he he did a video every week about some aspect of Rails. And I'd like to do that for all the different shows that we have, right? So I'd like to have one for Angular, one for React, and one for Ruby, and one for JavaScript. And and I'm probably gonna do some, of them. probably gonna be enlisting people to do the rest of them. So if you're interested in doing it for React, or for Angular, sorry, not React, I haven't been on the React show for a while, a long <laughs> while. But if you're interested in doing it for for Angular, let me know. We're also doing an Angular remote conference in November. So if you want to speak at that, the CFP is open and you can buy t- tickets for it right now. And it's it's a good time to kind of go to your boss and say, hey, look, this is a great way for me to kind of connect with other people and level up and know what's going on in Angular and stuff like that, especially if you couldn't make it to ng which actually is going on as we speak. But yeah, you know, it, it's just another opportunity for you to get to interact with people. The system we're using allows you to actually join conversations with people and talk to them, kind of like how we're talking from Utah, India, and Germany, right, over, over a video. It has tables and it allows like eight people to get on and do a video, voice, chat, talk like this. So we're gonna have a robust uh, hallway track, and then if your company is hiring or something and you want to sponsor and kind of get your name out there, that's a good way to go too. But anyway, that's just kind of the stuff I'm using there. The Like I said, the email marketing system is active campaign. The texting system that I'm setting up is on community.com and the phone number will also be on the website. You have to have a U.S. number, I think, U.S. or Canada. I, I think they're working on getting into texting systems for the other countries, but I don't think they're there yet. And then... The system we're using for the conferences is called AirMeet. That's A I R Air AirMeet. And like I said, we're you know we're gonna have networking sessions and the whole nine yards. But I'm really excited about all this stuff. It feels like it's finally coming together. I've got I've got this vision of where we can get to with this stuff. And ultimately, what I'm about is I really just want to help people. Hey, look, you know, whatever you, your career is that you're kind of dreaming of, you know, whether it's I want to be the CTO of a startup that goes big or You know, I just want to be a senior developer and then go hiking in the afternoon and and anything in between, right? I want to be an influencer with a podcast or a blog and I want to help people that way. I want to give you the resources that you need in order to do that. And I feel like uh, kind of serving some of these technical skills needs is there. But then the other thing is, is I want to provide people with the coaching and and content that's going to help them go, okay, I know I need to level up on how I talk to my coworkers. So I'm going to do a course on that, right? Or I, I need to know how to lead a team, right? Because I'm kind of at that place where I'm starting to become a team lead. And I want to put that stuff together so that whatever it is that you're dreaming you want, you can have. And in the meantime, I'm also doing some coaching. So if you go to topendevs.com slash coaching, you can sign up for some of that stuff. What it'll do is it'll actually fill in the form. And then you'll get a link where you can schedule a half hour call with me. And we'll just talk through what you need. And then we'll figure out how we can do weekly follow-up to get you where you want to go. Plus any other content that I'm making for people. You know, a lot of that will be focused around the questions people are asking in the coaching because I know how to address that. So anyway, and I've, I've helped people through this stuff for years. And I'm, I'm excited to be able to do it in a more focused way. But anyway, I have rambled long enough. But yeah, one of the things he did is he walked me through that visioning stuff. And I, I've i just, I've been fired up every ever since then because I just keep thinking about kind of what it feels like and what it looks like. So anyway, Maria, what are your picks?
1: Wow, I'm still so enchanted by this inspirational talk. So I have prepared <laughs> two picks because I actually, I really like those live coding sessions with my business colleagues where they come with some ideas to me like, you know, once they see the buttons, they want to change the buttons. So we get to we sit together and I just shift those buttons, uh, change the color and Change this phone size, etc., so that we are co-creating our application. And then I I realized why not give them this opportunity to do this by themselves. So my mm-hmm. business colleagues have learned how to work with uh, DevTools, which is a huge step forward. So they can That's change cool. their they, yes, there are huge respect wow. to, on Great. them. Because this way, they can change some text on the website because they can edit it in the in the developer tools and recently I've learned that actually we have a browser API which enables this for everyone, which is called document design mode so once you switch design mode to on like there is on and off and off is default then you can change all the text data, All you can delete all the elements from the website. Unfortunately, you cannot add more buttons by yourself, but at least you can uh, change all the text on a website without any additional tools. So it's quite easy to switch uh, on this mode and then the business guys can work with the website, change the wording. That's one pick that I'd like to introduce uh, also in my team. And another one, has been recommended uh, to me today by one of our testers this is a chrome extension which is called tweak mock and modify http request which fits to our topic Mm -hmm. and i find it really cool that uh, our tester recommended this to me because it, it he was so excited that this tool this extension helped him a lot working with HTTP requests and doing what we were discussing before. Mm-hmm. So this is something which enables test use uh, or testers to test my software and gives me more time to focus on my coding instead of supporting the testers and providing something, some some tooling for them, how to mock requests. They have this extension and they can work with us. I can provide the links to both of my picks, the documentation of the API and the uh, link to this extension. But those tools are for me something which helps my um, team members to win the whole development process. And I like it.
0: That's awesome. I I might have to pick your brain and share it with people on how you get the business people into. (laughs) You know, because because that level of collaboration is really hard to get. (laughs) And, you know, not that they have to learn how to code necessarily, but just so that they can kind of then get their fingers on what's actually going on.
1: Yeah, it helps a lot. It helps really yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what it's about, right? It's that communication, that, that mm. level of communication. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. This was awesome, Maria. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. And yeah, I had no idea that this proxy stuff was even built into Angular. So
1: thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. Till next time, folks, max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN.